There's a whole crowd of men out there who need this. Welcome to the case study. This case study will be marked down in time. Known to all as the record keeper of the historic rise of the woke man. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Actually, welcome, gentlemen. I don't know if any women will be listening to this, but quite frankly, I don't care. What I want is to see the change in man. Yes, that's hurt. The change in man. This is the Woke Man series, where you hear the stories of men who changed, who laid to rest their old ways of thinking, and who opened up and started expressing their truth. Revealing emotion, strengthening their self-awareness, and breaking free from the old paradigm of being a man. This is going to help men find the courage to open up, to break the shackles of toxic masculinity, and to guide them home in becoming a better man. Let's go. Oh, by the way, it's Luca. Luca Reedy from the Feeling Alive podcast. And The Woke Man is a sub-series. You're welcome. Welcome back to The Woke Man series, ladies and gentlemen. The greatest case study on man. We'll be looking at the conscious journey. You've been following for a while. I know it. But here we're getting down the later half of the series. And you probably noticed that nothing's really changed around the journey of men. It's just each story sort of slightly differs on their own personal experience. But you can see... And as I am seeing that men are opening up through their own challenges and they, there is a pathway. And that's the, one of the most crucial things for you to know right now that if you're out there right now having a personal challenge, that there is a pathway and that you can go back through all these episodes and see and whatever relates with you, connect with those men and see what they used or how they overcame their challenges. There's challenges around suicide. There's challenges around um, not being able to open up or challenges around past trauma, whatever it may be, there is a pathway and this Wokeman series is helping you. And I'm here either episode 59 or 60, I'm not exactly sure, but I'm with my fellow Australian slash American and slash fellow Canadian on a similar journey. Jeremy, brother, how are you? Yeah, good, man. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, welcome, man. It's been amazing. We we spent probably twenty five minutes just chatting, um, catching up, realizing we're in the same area in Vancouver, and um, there's a friendship brewing. I feel. Yeah, man. We we just decided in twenty minutes to be friends, and, uh, and then <laughs> and then very professionally, you said, you know, we should probably actually record this podcast now, and I was like, yeah. Good idea. Let's do that. Oh man, I love it. I love that, brother. I'm going to hit you with the most, the toughest question to start with. Okay. Yeah. This gets everyone. It throws them off. Where did you grow up, and where do you live now? I grew up in uh, just outside Los Angeles, California, in a little suburb called Agora Hills, and I'm currently living in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and uh, in between those two things. Uh, as a bonus answer, 
I've spent a lot of time uh, in Australia. I lived in the South Pacific. I lived in Thailand. I, I backpacked in Africa. So I've been around, but settled in Vancouver at the moment. Ah, oh, beautiful, man. Beautiful. How old are you now? I just turned 40. Oh, what's it feel like? Oh, man. Just I just turned 30. So, like, what's the 40s like, man? God, just everything's deteriorating, you know? <laughs> like, just falling apart, man. <laughs> no. <laughs> It's, it's like, I don't know, it's a number, but it's also a significant number, yeah, right? Because yeah. it's, I view it as like a chapter. Yeah. So, um, I feel you so time, time for a fresh chapter. I set some intentions and like, yeah. just getting on with it. But it feels weird, man. Like, I, I remember years ago, my dad telling me he turned 60. And I was like, what is 60 like? Yeah. And he said, it's just so fucking weird because <laughs> like, I have the same brain. Like, yeah. I don't feel 60, but suddenly I'm 60. So it kind of kind of feels like that it is though it is age is just a number right like i don't know definitely feel like the 20s were the toughest man like because you you know you're sort of standing on your feet and you're starting to go out into the big wide world you don't know really who you are you're dabbling in shit you got all your emotions coming up and all your memories are like trickling back through and if you decide to start listening to these podcasts or going on a healing journey you're just like fuck now my life is falling apart And then the thirties yeah. are like, well, this is what I'm experiencing. The thirties like, oh yeah, I sort of know what I'm doing now. I sort of got this shit figured out. <laughs> and then it feels like forty. The reason I ask this of you is because I'm like, forty's like, fucking, I know where I'm going, man. Like, let's go. Oh, yeah. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> I I would say that at various times in my life, I had everything figured out. Like yeah. probably around around twenty, I was like, oh, I get this shit. Like, and then at twenty five, I was like, oh, now. <laughs> now i know now i got i got it down 30 hits and i was like oh i'm so wise now i'm 30. <laughs> I've, I've had so many stories and experiences i i really i'm so wise and oh, <laughs> yeah you know like kind of every year between um i just find that that uh as i get older i realize that it's just more of a process or a practice yeah. And yeah. that nobody has anything figured out. Nothing. And the ones who, who say they do are lying. Don't trust them. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's just like a perpetual evolution because, you know, things change. Life change. Life changes. Your identity shifts. Like you become a different version of yourself. And like mm. nobody teaches, like nobody teaches you how to be a dad or a boyfriend or a husband or a you know, or to be fired or to be heartbroken until you've actually done it. So like, there's just always more to come. Mm. Now we've got a fucking pandemic. It's like, oh, I thought I had everything figured out. And then the the (laughs) entire planet literally shifted. Oh, man. I remember the start of 2020. Like, I'm starting this year Ah. off with a bang. Like, I went to bed early at, you know, New Year's. I was like, I'm going to wake up early, watch the sunrise. It's going to be the best year ever. I had all my intentions set out and literally nothing's Mm -hmm. happened. None of my intentions have happened. And all these big goals that I had have just been smashed in the face. And I mean, you know, it just shows. What do you really, I don't know. I just go, what do we really know? You know, what's next year? What's 2021 (laughs) going to be? Like, fuck. Yep. I don't know, man. I I feel like. Did you have big intentions for 2020? Oh, the biggest. My, my. (laughs) My year started off so good, man. I was, I just, I was in the middle of hosting a retreat in Costa Rica and 
it was amazing. It was sold out. And I was hosting it with, with two of my friends. My girlfriend was down there. My other friend from Australia flew out to hang out. We were having our best life. Like five of us rented a, a house near the beach for a month. We were just crushing. It was so good. The vibe was so high. And then everything changed. And um, yeah, I had to like cancel of events, yeah, yeah, refund, yeah. refund so much money. Um, I was going to move to Colorado and I ended up living with my parents for like two or three months simply because of the uncertainty. Yeah. Like yeah. we left Costa Rica and, and went to visit LA for just to say hi for like a week. And then in that week, everything hit the fan. And, uh, and so we're like, Oh, let's just stay here for like another week or two until this blows over, you know, Shit. we'll see, we'll see how it goes. No blowing then, over, man. It was like, a, it was brewing. It was like that wizard of Oz scene with the, the hurricane or the tornado. It was like, yeah, it was like wild times, man. And, um, yeah, just, I mean, we're still in it, right? Yeah. It's just, uh, this is three weeks before an American election. The pandemic there is still, still happening. There's no vaccines that are widespread. Like yeah. we're in it. Yeah, man. Like, Everyone. So I remember seeing a meme once, and it was earlier in the year and it was like all right it was like march or something when shit was getting real and everyone was like it was a photo all right cool 20 2020s finish finishes on sunday as of monday 2021 starts they're like i'm over it so yeah. it, you know it was getting back back then that was just the start of it man like but it's yeah, i mean like, yeah who knows remember like the great toilet paper shortage that felt like the climax of the pandemic and that was such an adorable and like when everybody loved netflix like it was so exciting you get to watch netflix we have so much free time those are the the days Uh, uh, netflix is like going under because no one's watching it because they're so over it yeah but there was the um i remember seeing like all the wrestling happening at the at the at the supermarkets like you're saying around the toilet paper and everyone was like the the shelves were empty and it was like fuck what's gonna happen yeah. Um, I, you know, there's a lot of people that have also taken a lot of positive stuff out of this too. You know, we've got a, um, people are, are realizing that they've got some mental health issues that they've been distracted, that they've been needing to find some different alternative ways to look at it now. Cause the old ways of like being busy or being connected to people or going out haven't really been helping. Have you noticed that? Individually or yeah, individually, collectively. Uh, I mean, yeah, collectively, the way I look at it is that the whole planet is doing shadow work right now. Yeah, like there's no hiding from any of your pain, trauma, biases, all of it, shame, Mm -hmm. guilt, fear, mortality. Like it's all come to the surface. Yeah, it is. It is there. And whether that is being processed or given the respect um, that it needs in a healthy way in terms of really getting still or reaching out to people, or if it's manifesting as addiction, Mm -hmm. anger, etc. But like everybody's in it at the moment. And so I think for me individually, it's been a real opportunity to kind of do more work, do deeper work, to really lean on the things that I know work for me, such as getting outdoors, meditating, 
um, community, mm-hmm. um, and then also exploring what's come up. Um, so one example of that might be death, right? Fear of mm. death, fear of my family dying, um, mm. and getting really, getting really close with that in a more intimate level. Like, oh man, like I haven't really given the time and space to feel into that, what that really means. Mm. And now I have that time and space to, to do the work and to be intentional with how I use my time. Right. And I think for a lot of people, probably a lot of people listening, they recognize that, you know, people are observing the like narratives in the media or just friends and family. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of reacting instead Mm. of responding. There's a lot of judging. There's a lot of name calling. There's a lot of just shit really. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I think, uh, I think we're all in it. And I think one way to deal with this whole collective situation is to remember that everybody's in it right now. And for me, that's a a way to like maintain my compassionate lens. Like every single person I see on the street is, is suffering in some weird way. Yeah. And like, you don't know who's lost a loved one. You don't know who's battling um, bankruptcy or has lost their job or, you know, has had to move or sell their car or whatever. Like we all have really intense stories over the last few months. Yeah, compassion is definitely something we can embrace more of. And I think, yeah, it's a good point, man. Now we're getting the opportunity to, to do that more often because everyone's gone through shit. No one's immune to this. But nah. I've got to stay on track because I've, I've, we've gone off on okay. a tangent here. Yeah. And it's a good tangent. It's beautiful. I love it. Okay. What do All you right. do for What's a living next... right now? Uh, what do I do for a living? I, I write and I speak and I coach. Oof. Beautiful. Uh, yeah. I help people live better lives. I, uh, I joke that I'm like a ferocious never give a upper. Uh, but yeah, I, I write online and I have a podcast as well. Long distance love bombs, isn't it? Yeah, the long distance love bombs podcast. And um, but yeah, my primary like the way that I make money is that I I coach people. Cool. Yeah. Wicked man. What do you what are you passionate about with your coaching? What do you love most about your coaching? I I mean, you you work with humans as well, and I think anybody that does will recognize these moments where the other person has an epiphany Mm. or fully steps into their power or decides that enough is enough and they're going to take action on something important to them, whether that is standing up to a loved one or redefining a relationship or deciding to write the book or launch the business or move across the country or ask that person out on a date. Like I love seeing people fully own their truth Mm. and then find the inherent bravery (laughs) <laughs> to take action to do something about it mm. it's like, beautiful it's my, rewarding that's eh? my, oh that's my jam man like that brings tears to my eyes it's like like seeing people fully expressed and seeing people you know yeah. taking a chance on themselves believing in themselves yeah. like that that is so good i love it man i love yeah. that too brother i know the feeling it's beautiful yeah what's one thing you're really good at jeremy i am really good at distraction uh being distracted i'm really i'm really good at uh not having impulse control uh, but like uh but seriously i'm, I'm really good at, at writing 
Yeah. I'm really good at, uh, at communicating big ideas in a thoughtful down to earth way that helps people understand how life works, yeah. how their brains work, how behavior works. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm really good at that. I'm really good at, um, at like connecting with virtually anybody. Mm. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I've been told I'm really good at like creating a space for people to feel comfortable sharing their truths and being honest. Mm. So like I joke with my friends that like my job, when you ask me what my job is, sometimes I say to people that I get paid to make people cry. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, that's it, you know? yeah it's beautiful brother it's beautiful so when you write are you writing fiction are you writing philosophically no. non-fiction wisdom yeah i write uh i write non-fiction i write like personal development with a humorous entertaining twist i write about um things that i'm working through myself i write about my life i write about um Mm. metaphors or analogies that help me to understand big concepts or ideas um yeah Man, and, and a lot of my writing is is like framed with an inspirational encouraging vibe of yeah. like you can do it yeah like yeah. Uh, keep going like that kind of vibe um but in a more sophisticated manner where it's yeah, like yeah, hey yeah, this is why way. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is why you can do it is because anybody can literally do it. And like, this is why you should keep going because, you know, discipline and determination equals mm. liberation and all this stuff. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Dude, I love that. I love writing too, man. It's so, I find like just, I, I don't know. Do you find you communicate best when you write? Like, is that your best form of communication? 100%. Yeah. Like, like a hundred percent. Yeah. So like, uh, I have a hard time communicating with voices so like listening to podcasts is difficult for me because i'm a written word person so like yeah. if i read a book if i read something i'll remember it more readily versus uh if i hear it yeah interesting yeah. that's cool yeah yeah i feel yeah. yeah what's your biggest fear right now death mm. uh in general and i think that all other fears are a manifestation of some form of a fear of death uh, so specifically, um, yeah, like dying uh, before I know what it's like to be a dad, uh, having my mom die, uh, before I can hug her again, um, having my sister catch this pandemic and, and pass away, uh, random car accidents, you know, I think, I think fear of death for me and I alluded to this a little bit earlier is like, it's the big one. Mm. Um, and I think more recently with all the events of the world, the mortality is playing a larger role in my own life uh, in the way that I'm contemplating my existence and the way that I'm prioritizing how I want to spend my time mm. in the way that I'm looking at relationships mm. um, and, and recognizing that, uh, you know, more and more recognizing but also like embodying this deep knowledge that i already know it's like we all know we're gonna die but like actually in my bones trying to live in a way that recognizes that truth daily mm. so like one thing i've been trying to practice is like when i wake up 
having the first thought be like, yes, like, mm. fuck yeah, I woke up. Like, <laughs> I get one more day. Yeah. Like, that's amazing. Like, I've what a victory. Um, so yeah, I'm scared of that. And then like, just the, the little fears, I mean, quote unquote, little, but like the little fears of like, nobody's gonna buy this thing that I'm gonna sell and you know my girlfriend's gonna leave me and you know my i don't know like yeah man all that all that standard kind of anxiety induced little doubts and self-worth stuff yeah um and like i suppose that to continue that smaller level i'll just continue ranting my fears at you uh come uh, hijack at any time and bring it back on track another thing i'm really good at is tangents so over to you to, to keep this on track. Um, yeah, it would be, oh gosh, what was I going to say? Another thing that I'm scared of would be like my own power, mm. you know, and like stepping into being bigger, yeah. stepping into taking up more space, stepping mm. into using my voice more and more authentically and honestly, mm. like stepping into giving less fucks about what everybody else thinks about who I am and what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Right. And and I think it's, it goes both ways. So it can feel scary to talk about death and heartbreak and all that stuff, but it's also scary to talk about success and responsibility and power and impact and um, what all, what that all means Mm. that's quite the neutral ground isn't it when you've got both sides of it you're like you know i don't want this but also want this but the fears on both sides it's like yeah have you have you found that ways that work for you to neutralize that to work through that the the way that i approach that is simply to choose better suffering and I've been called out on that of like, well, suffering is optional. Pain is the only thing you're talking about and suffering is a choice and blah, blah, like, yeah, I get it. Okay. So perhaps like choose better pain, choose better fear. And what I mean by that is I can suffer. It can feel painful and uncomfortable for me to not ask that person out on a date Mm. and just always be wondering Mm -hmm. and always be be scared of rejection, right? Or I can ask that person on a, out on a date and be rejected and then have to face that rejection. That's a different mm-hmm. form of pain and discomfort, right? So either path that you take will lead to some form of pain. Yeah. However, uh, there's a chance that that person will say yes and like, I'll get to see them naked and like, maybe they'll fall in love with me. So like, that suffering is better from my perspective. Like, yeah, I feel you. Right. You so, make it. That's a great benefit. Yeah. I had this, I had this intervention years ago. This is a totally separate story, but it's a good story. So I was in Mammoth, California. This yeah. is like a ski town. In the, hot, in the hot springs at the back? Not in the hot spring, but in the town itself. You yeah, see a like, lot of people naked in the hot springs at the back. You do. Yeah. I've been there, done that. So I was like in this, um, it's an Irish pub right near where the gondola goes down into the heart of the new, the new area. And, um, it was me and my buddy was on one side of a table and then two friends were on the other side of the table. And each of the two friends that we were facing had massive crushes on these two women and had had 
have had crushes on them for years. They were just like on a pedestal. They like, they love these chicks. Um, but neither of them had made a move and, and they were kind of like in that friend space, right? And so we were having pints of Guinness. So the conversation was flowing. And at some point I was saying to them like, even if you accept that you have a 1% chance of, of her saying, yeah, I'm interested, like it's worth risking that because that means you have a 1% chance of like seeing your dream girl naked. You have a 1% <laughs> chance of like kissing your dream girl, right? Yeah. And those 99 out of 100 chances where she says no, like literally that's where you are right now. Like yeah. not seeing her naked, not kissing her, not dating her. So that one out of a hundred chance, like take the fucking chance, man. <laughs> and like, and so that was the pep talk and it went on for a while. But the reason I tell this story is now both of them are married to those women and they have oh. children. They have families with those women. No way. And I'm not saying that like my conversation was was like the turning point, but I think it definitely helped. Definitely the perspective and of that. You just don't know, right? Like it, it's like you are worth the risk. Like life is worth the fucking risk. Like your future dream life is worth the risk. Like take the chance. Like have a go. Why yeah. not? Yeah, choose. I love like, that, dude. That's such a powerful story. Choose the better pain. Choose the better pain. That, that's a really good way to look at that. I love that's that. how I do it. Like that's my oversimplistic way because like I'm, I'm quite lazy and uh, efficient, let's call it. Yeah. And so for me, it's just like, look, man, a choice has to be hurt. made. A choice has to be choice made. Has to be made. Yeah. Like you're going to get hurt. Like nobody gets out of this game alive, literally. <laughs> so like what feels more exciting, like yeah, does it feel more exciting I to like that. get in the arena, take a swing, uh-huh. get rejected. That's a uh-huh. cool story. You, you like, you can build on that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a okay. journey, man. That's what's, it. Your fav- what's your favorite quote, man? Favorite quote. I, sh- I shared this, this line. Um, so the other day I was on a podcast and they asked me like, oh, if you had to put a, a quote on a billboard, like what would you say? And it was fresh in my mind because, um, so my friend, his name is Buddy Wakefield. He's a spoken word poet. He's, he's Ooh, incredible. Nice. And, um, he has this line. Well, he has two. One of them is risk more softness, which I love. And another one is pretend inside your skin, you have a friend who's willing to give you everything you've ever wanted in exchange for all you've ever been. Oh, wow. Like, Whoa. Say that last one again. Yeah. Pretend inside your, and I might be botching it a little bit, but that's the main gist. So pretend inside your skin, you've got a friend who's willing to trade you everything you've ever wanted in exchange for all you've ever been. So it's like, you got to give up everything that you've been if you want to step into everything you desire. And that inflection point, that transition, that change is going to bring up all kinds of shit. And that is related to the fear that I spoke about previously, like the fear of letting go, the fear of stepping into something new and uncertain, like, that fear will change your life for good or for bad. But if you tap into your inner bravery and you step towards the thing that expands you and excites you, you will, you will have a radically different future. Dude, that hits hard, man. 
That's nice. It's that good, really right? Landed. That's good. I like that. I really. You like should that. buy his his spoken. Uh, like Buddy should just send me an invoice for this. But his um his spoken his newest poetry book uh, is called A Choir of Honest Killers, and it's like it's outrageously good. Cool man. So yeah, I would choose that quote right now. I love that. What's the conscious man to you, Jeremy? The conscious man. Conscious man to me is somebody who, who like doesn't run from himself. And uh, this is like off the top of my head. Conscious yeah. man is someone who, who has like integrated the emotional traumatic experiences and is, and is turning to face those things mm. in a way that feels healthy in a way that will expand them into like being and becoming the best version of themselves. Mm -hmm. So like a conscious man lives in integrity. A conscious man is compassionate. I like to say that a kind heart is a strong heart. Mm -hmm. Like a conscious man understands mortality and emotion and feelings and heart Mm -hmm. and isn't scared of any of that. Mm, I love it, brother. I love it. A kind what heart I... is a strong heart. Yeah. Man. We have to we have to change. This is like I'm really passionate about kindness in general and like trying to start a kindness revolution, but we have to get over this bullshit machismo view of men that like being mean or a dick or closed off or heartless mm. is what it actually means to be a man. That is yeah. fucking nonsense. And it's tragic because it's leading to the unfortunate untold deaths of millions of us every fucking year. Yeah. <sighs> so that's, that's my suicide, little soapbox. That's, that's where the suicide hits, you know, yeah, because it's... we can't be something that we want to be because of the, uh, yeah. the pretenses, the pretenses. And, 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 you know, like, man, just, a compassionate, kind man is so sexy for the women. Like that's oh. what they want. That's what they it's want. Safe. Yeah. Yeah. It's like so, if they if they can't uh, if they can't feel us, they can't trust us. Yeah. Like if yeah. they can't trust us to handle their own shit, to express what's really going on, they can't trust mm. us to to do anything. Yeah. And so I think there's a there's like a a very attractive bonus when you do the work and when you open your heart and when you step into this space it's that you have a really powerful relationship and your life gets easier when you do these hard things yeah man yeah man there's attractive bonus i love that i definitely found more deeper fulfilling relationships both romantically and just what's non-romantically like friendships Uh, friendships from after after this work like it's it's, 100%. it's more of you available to be your true self in that relationship. Therefore, you attract the same thing in another person. So it's definitely it's it, it's definitely been very rewarding for me, mm. for sure. And just to add to that, like the relationship to self, like when you look in the mirror, when you get out of bed, when you meet somebody new, when you have a job interview, when you walk down the street, like there's an inner vibe that mm. happens when you do this work for long enough. You start to shift, and like it, it's true power, in my opinion my opinion Uh, amen brother i'm with you what's one thing that challenges you right now oh aside from everything we've talked about so far (laughs) um uh relationship 
Yeah. This is the short answer. Like I'm, I'm dating a, a woman who is incredible and beautiful and, uh, and takes no shit at all. She is like perhaps the most in integrity mm. person that I have met. And it occasionally drives me cuckoo up a tree <laughs> because this, what she's doing is like, calling me forward into my greatness oh, yeah. and it's so annoying because it's so much easier to slack off or leave a dish in the sink or not clean the toilet or, or you know say that thing that is offensive and not in alignment with my highest integrity and so relationship my relationship with her in particular challenges me in the best way possible Mm-hmm. and i'm grateful for that i'm super grateful for that yeah does it go both ways 100 mm-hmm. <laughs> percent yeah yeah that's, that's yeah. beautiful man yeah it's like uh mutually calling each other forward mutually holding space for for the old stories to die and co-creating mm-hmm. the new ones that we want to take their place yeah i think what you say there is is, is co- uh, mutually holding space for the other one and that's really important, I think, for people listening now is that because uh, I'm in this, I'm in a similar relationship where we just we're constantly like we talk like this a lot about how we can be the best version of ourselves, you know, and we're constantly going, oh, is this in your and you know we joke around too, like oh, is that your best and highest talking to me right now? Like, that's what I get all the time, and I said, and I'm like in my little shit, and I'm like, yeah, that is that's my best and highest right now that's what mm-hmm. i'm capable of right now but you know we, we and that's the that's the thing is you just you're just like dragging each other forward with love and you just like grab the other hand come forward with me and i think that's really powerful man when you both are on that well having aligned values and you're both on the same trajectory of like where you want to go you're, you're moving to as a unit as opposed as in, to individuals it's really it's really powerful man yeah and i think a, a key component of that is accepting and loving you for who you are right now. So it's not like a judgmental, critical, you piece of shit, why did you leave the dish in the sink? It's just like, it's an invitation, it's an opportunity, it's a calling forward rather than a calling out, right? And one way that we we do that is, um, so I work with this coach and she had me make a list of traits and, it was in response because I told her in high school, I I would just try to get an A minus because in high school, an A minus is a 4.0 and an A plus was a 4.0. And so it just made no sense to me, like why you would put in the extra effort to get an A plus when you're being judged by a metric that puts them in the same box. And so what I realized over the years is that I've done this in my life as a whole like this idea of settling for an A minus experience. And so I told this to my, my coach and she's like, well, we need your life to be an A plus. Like you need to stop settling. You need to, you know, kick it up a notch. And so I told this to my partner and, and now she's like, Jeremy, like this is an A plus apartment. Like we don't leave. I have a lot of hair. So I have like a lot of hair. Like Jeremy, this is an A plus apartment. We don't leave hairs in the, in the bathtub for our girlfriend to find them and clean them up for us. And I'm like, oh, yep, you're right. Um, so- She's on to you, man. She's on to me, man. But like, I I told her that I want her to be on to me like that. Yeah, it's like, yo, call me call I me like forward. That. Like, I, I want to be. And perhaps that's an important caveat as a starting point with all this stuff is like, 
I want to be better. Yeah. Like I, yeah. I genuinely, sincerely in my heart want to be a better boyfriend. Like I want to be a better man. I want to have a better life. Like I'm, I'm ready to do that work. And if, if someone is listening and they're like, not like, that's okay. Like that is totally cool. Um, you, you know, I spent much of my twenties being a fucking drunk, <laughs> like, mm. you know, just getting up to all the things that you would get up to in your twenties. Yeah. Uh, and I wasn't ready to do the work at that time. Um, and that's, that's okay. So I think it's important not to judge where we're at, where you're at to the, to the people listening. Um, but at the same time, if there's some part of you that listens to what we're saying and is like, Oh, that sounds exciting. Or like, I'm curious to, to date an A plus kind of woman or have an A plus kind of relationship, then, um, then lean in and also like strap in because it's a ride. (laughs) (laughs) Strap in baby. Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful ride too. Challenging for sure, man. But at the end of the day, you always look back and laugh and go, fuck, look where we've come from. Like look what we've done. It's so good. What's unconditional love mean to you? I know you, you love the love bomb. So I'd love to hear your perspective on this question. Yeah. Unconditional love is, is simply like radical acceptance. So mm. I think self-love requires foundation of self-acceptance. Mm. Like what you deny cannot be adored. And so unconditional love is just like taking it all in and loving it regardless. Like, oh, you leave hairs in the, in the bathtub sometimes. Like, it's okay. Like, I still love you. Mm. Um, hey, you, you said that thing to me that was really cruel. Um, I still love you. And, and so as a, as a caveat to that, uh, unconditional love does not mean that you have no boundaries with how people are treating you and you just become a doormat or a welcome mat to be treated like shit and yeah. talked down to. Like, that's not unconditional love. That is, that is bullshit, yeah. <laughs> for lack of a better phrase. So there, you, you can unconditionally love someone and also unconditionally love yourself enough that you're okay disappointing other people, that you're okay standing up for yourself, that you're okay yeah. speaking your truth, even if it, miss, if it risks rejection or um, the end of a relationship. So it goes, it goes internally to yourself as well. Yeah. So like for me, yeah, like I do a bunch of stuff that I, I'm working on, right? Like I, I joke that I get easily distracted. Um, I, I would love to make a little bit more money. I'd love to have a bigger impact. I'd love to, you know, work out more and not mm. eat some things that I eat. But like at the same time, I love myself. Like I'm, I'm yeah. on the journey. My trajectory is good. I look back at where I used to be and where I am now. And like, I love that. I love my life. Radical acceptance of yourself and of others. That's it. I love it, man. I love it. Do you believe in a greater power? And what is that to you? Ooh. Just went deep real quick. Yeah, you just you just took a hard right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think when you say a greater power, uh, without diving into like the religious connotations of that, I think that anybody who who sits quietly in nature and just looks around and has a grasp of 
the longevity of this planet or the solar system as a whole. <laughs> like there's something bigger than us. Like if you zoom out far enough, like our life, our existence individually, even collectively, you could argue is like pretty minuscule. Mm. Like we're but tiny little specks. What's that, that line about there's more stars in the sky than grains of sand on earth. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, nuts, man. and that the universe is still right now accelerating and growing and expanding at the speed of light. It's just at a scale that that cannot is that, be is that is that for real it's still growing like it's still expanding yeah yeah it's just at the speed of light like where are we as, man? where are we look we could get real deep if you want but like that that so like a greater power like there just has to be something else going on <laughs> like I love that. I eh? just like throw it's that in your like, thesis, man. Throw that in your thesis. Like, there just has to be. <laughs> it's just like what even is happening? Like yeah. at at scale, at a macro scale, when you zoom out far enough, that randomly for billions of years, this thing called the universe mm. exists. Mm. Like it always baffles what? me, dude. It always like, baffles what? me. Like, like where? The... Like where? Like what is the where? Like, yeah, if, if you want to really blow your brains apart, like metaphorically, like watch some, some like documentaries about the size of the universe and this like uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson kind of shit. It's yeah. just like, yeah. like there's a, like even just zooming in, like our little solar system, we got like Pluto and Neptune and, and shit. And like, it, <laughs> and the, you know, like <laughs> at the center of it is, a flaming ball of fire yeah. that just sits quietly. Yeah, there's floating. no like gas line. There's no gas line to it to keep it running, you know? It's just literally floating in vast, infinite nothingness. Yeah. And it's just on fire <laughs> perpetually for, <laughs> for like millions of years. And we and we are on a sphere that just goes in perpetual circles around this fireball in the sky. Yeah, perfectly. But spinning. Mm. And so it makes night and day and summer and winter. It's like, mm. what? Mm. What? Yeah. So it seems illogical to conclude that there's nothing else going on mm. in the cosmos. Yeah, you've explained you've explained it perfectly, dude. That's exactly how <laughs> I speak to you know. I'm just like, but why has it not run out yet? You know, like why has the sun not run out yet? And and we're sitting yeah. here going, oh, we're trying to create these electric cars and shit. <laughs> like we're still trying to figure life out down here. We're like we're still running on fuel, and our mm-hmm. cars only have a certain limit of energy because we still haven't tapped into this free energy that Nikola Tesla was talking about. For you yeah. know, God knows why, but. I don't know, man. Like we're we're still so like how you say that we're still so underdeveloped. Oh God, you yeah. Know? Like we think we're so fancy because we have Zoom and we have podcasts and microphones and machine guns and shit. <laughs> but like it wasn't that long ago that we had no electricity, no yeah. airplanes, no telephones. Women couldn't vote. That yeah. we owned slaves. I like, know. It was, wars over religion like we were living on hunter-gatherer lives out in the veranda like 
I'm going to look up when the, when the um when the airplane was first invented. No, let's just, let's it was just like a... it, it was like 1905, I think. It was like oh, early so 1900s. Close. 1903. Okay. Dude, 1903. 117 yeah. years. Yeah. What? That's just... So we went you know what trips me out, Luca is like we went from that no airplanes, right? Yeah. And now we went from that to putting a, a human being on the moon mm. in a single generation, in a single lifetime. Mm. So if you were born in 1900, no airplanes. And what was the Neil Armstrong was like in the 60s or 70s or whatever. Like in your life, you could go from no airplanes to putting a human being on the fucking moon, walking around up there, taking taking photos and sending text messages back to Earth. Like, hey, check out the moon. And like... That's crazy. 66 years. In 66 years, we went from the first airplane to landing on the moon. That's insane. That's nuts. That's <laughs> nuts, dude. So what do you think we're going to do in 66 years? Here's another question before we get into the next section. What do you th- where do you think we'll be in 66 years from now? 1980, uh, sorry, t- 2086. <laughs> like, You'll be 106. The, I'm going to be looking banging, bro. I'm going to get my push- <laughs> I'm gonna get my, <laughs> I'm gonna get my push-ups in. Uh, well, so the thing, the thing about all of that discussion about uh, flying to the moon in, in a lifetime, right, is, is that a lot of the things that we do right now, that we completely take for granted, mm. and are so normal and are so part of our everyday lives, such as iPhones. Mm. If you would have said that this is what would be happening to our parents or our grandparents' generation. They would say that is completely impossible. Mm-hmm. That will never, ever happen. Like you're a crazy person. Mm-hmm. Right? If, if, if hypothetically you were able to do that, uh, you would be a magician or a witch mm-hmm. or a wizard, right? And so it's the same moving forward. So like a short answer that seems practical is like, oh yeah, like everything will be electric, everything will be solar powered, we'll have virtual reality systems. And then even at the edge of that, Elon Musk stuff with like Neuralink was talking about, we'll be able to download our brains and our consciousness into like a hard drive. We'll be completely this weird cyborg kind of robotic human. Like our lives will resemble Black Mirror episodes in a a weird way. That's that's tough. And like, it'll be further than that because the stuff that we can't even imagine right yeah. now, the stuff that it's, it's I, too I would, crazy to think like that, isn't it's it? It's too crazy. It's like, yeah. Oh, we might just be plugged into the wall, living in virtual reality nonstop in, in an orgasmic hyperconnected state. I wonder like, if, I wonder if we'll be flooded out. Here's another, he here we go. Like what oh, if we're actually like, yeah. Like what if like LA is underwater, like a hundred meters underwater. Yeah. And we all have to live in, oh, what is it? Um, Utah. Water worlds? We have to live in Utah. Uh, Everyone's yeah. living in Utah. Utah's a small island the size of Fiji. <laughs> it's, hey, let's go it's crazy, man. Who knows? Utah could be the next Fijian island. You might want to buy some property there. Yeah, let's do that. Oh, that's good, man. All right. But who knows, let's, man? Like, I don't know. I, right, I love these conversations, on. though, dude. I love these conversations. It's, it's really... Yeah. It's important to be having these things, you know, like just to just to trigger the, just to just put a little bit of fuel into the perspective, you know. 
Yeah. But let's talk about your conscious journey now. We're going into a second section. Um, there's 11 questions here. This is going to be a long episode, but it's definitely packing a punch, that's for sure. What did your life look like? This is, a, this is the, the personal you. What did your life look like as we go unwoke, unconscious, however many years that was, when that was, and how does that compare to who you are today? It's like night and day. Uh, mm-hmm. So previous life, um, like personally, I was, I was drinking a lot. Like I spent like at least a decade, you know, doing the college life. Like I was mm-hmm. a perpetual student. So like I was drinking a lot, binge mm-hmm. drinking a lot, uh, smoking some weed here and there. Um, I had a little bit of a courtship with painkillers very briefly. Um, uh, and then, you know, living, living like a normal life. Like I went to the gym, I had a respectable job. I owned a car. I had friends. We went out I went to restaurants, but like what was really happening was that I had no strength in terms of who I really was. Mm. I was, um, and I didn't even know it at the time. I, like I just, I just thought I was, I was being me. Like if, if I was to talk to me then, I'd be like, no, like I'm honest. I'm a good man. Uh, I'm a good boyfriend. I'm a good son. I'm a good brother. I'm a good employee. I'm a good student. Like I'm good. Like everything's fine. Uh, however, I drank a lot of beer. Uh, my relationships that I had with my girlfriends, um, were largely codependent like the masculine feminine dynamic to to get a bit deeper was like was off i was not comfortable being a man i didn't have a lot of good relationships with men at a deep level Mm. at a connective level Um, i felt much more comfortable being around women Um, that energy felt safer to me Mm. um yeah so there was like a lot of that going on like people pleasing you know um being scared to speak my mind being scared of rejection being scared of um getting fired all these things and so i would uh yeah just bottle that all up you know and then drink it away on the weekends and then monday comes and it all began again cycle goes again and and, i mean like you say it's night and day do you like what is what do you look like compared to that now like what's your how do you how does jeremy show up today compared to that like like You're not at university we, anymore let's, let's that's no, that. i i beat that level i, <laughs> I beat that that end boss was a pain in the ass but <laughs> like literally luca i am i am a guy that i used to make fun of yeah, <laughs> like that's really fucking that's okay keep going yeah like like if you can't see me right now, but if you're listening, like I have a nose ring, I have like a scruffy beard. My, my hair is really long, like almost down to my butt. Mm. I've been a vegetarian for like 10 years. I'm pretty much sober. I meditate. Uh, I talk about feelings, uh, mm. like all, all that stuff. Like I'm in personal development. I, you know, like <laughs> I, I have a pod, like I have like the whole, the whole deal so that's one superficial aspect but like at a deeper level i am 
happier than I've ever been yeah. in terms of like my life, but also with who I am. Like I'm, I'm prouder than I've ever been of myself. My relationship with my girlfriend is the best relationship I've ever had. Mm -hmm. I, like I, the, 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 like the lenses through which I view life are, are just substantially upgraded to the old ones. Like, yeah. like moment to moment, I see optimism. I see humanity. I feel, just feel good. Like mm -hmm. just feel, I just feel like properly good. Mm -hmm. um, and what, and, and what I was feeling back in the day that I thought was good was, was like not actually the real shit. Yeah, man. It's like, uh, it's like, once you get a taste of the real shit, it's like, Oh, I want more of that. Mm -hmm. um, and unfortunately to get from there to here it takes a tremendous amount of courage work Ooh, yeah. dedication discipline yeah. um it takes an effort but isn't that life though isn't it it's like those it. qualities it's like if you want to get somewhere it takes that regardless. yeah you gotta earn you have to earn the life you desire like yeah. no one's gonna hand you this shit um, yeah. so like yeah start starting to um you know read different books listen to podcasts watch videos like Get involved in personal development, etc. Right, I've got a good question for you. What was yeah. another book that? What was a book that you would have read in your mm -hmm. unconscious life? Right, and ha and what would what would be a book that you would read now? This is a good one. I love that you like gave yourself a pat <laughs> on the back. Yeah, <laughs> good question. Good question, Luca. <laughs> um, so like like literally right now. Uh, I just finished a book called um, Cutting Through Spiritual Materialism, Oof. which is written written by this like Buddhist monk guy that's talking all about ego death and, you know, belief systems and the Buddhist path. Uh, and then I just started last night this book called um, Stamped from the Beginning. It's a book about mm. racist ideas in American history um, by this um incredible professor of, of black studies. Mm. So like those were not in my wheelhouse, uh, in my previous incarnation as a, as a college, you know, guy. Um, what would I used to, I, like, I used to love, uh, like Michael Crichton. He wrote Jurassic park, mm -hmm. uh, and like those kinds of books. Um, I think it was more like fiction. Yeah. So I think maybe the, the transition was like, going from fiction to to nonfiction, so like reading more about uh real life yeah. and even like movies too like watching more documentaries yeah um, yeah. yeah and i think i i started the that transition like with biographies of like yeah. reading about about people that i admire that i was just i was just curious it's like yo that person is a genius or a, yeah. a global leader. Like I want to learn more about their life. Like, how do they think? What do they do? Who's someone that inspires you now? Um, I mean, a lot of my friends inspire me. I'm very blessed to, to like be at this place where a lot of my friends are, are really inspirational. Yeah. Um, like, uh, my girlfriend inspires me, but like at a broader scale, like, uh, I mean, I, I went through this phase where I was listening to, uh, 
like the the Gary V, Eric Thomas, David Goggins vibe of like, you know, motivation, like sleep when you're dead, and, you know, outwork the competition. And uh, that helped that helped like get me from, you know, point A to point B of like, yeah, like I can do this. Um, yeah, I don't know if that really answered your question. No, that's cool. That's cool, man. I love it. What was your biggest vice in that in that un- unconscious period? Alcohol. Yeah, I would say like cheap beer was a, was probably up there. Yeah, I was never into like hard drugs. Um, yeah. I was never really even into weed because I I didn't like how it it clouded my mind and made me mm. paranoid. Like I was I wasn't smoking a lot of weed very often, but yeah, booze was um partially because I was, you know, in college. So the, the climate is very receptive to that. And then another part, like I was in Australia where there's definitely a drinking culture. And so it's very normal to go out with friends, coworkers, mm-hmm. colleagues, and like, it's even normalized to like be hung over or to get yeah. too drunk. Yeah. It's so, I mean, the good old Forex, man, you can drink a lot. Yeah, man. Man, eh? You can drink a lot. Yeah. Yep. 30, 30 cans down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what emotion challenged you most jeremy when you're in that same period anxiety uh, like my, anger shame guilt fear sadness um what emotion challenged me i think it like looking back it was a uh, resentment like a like a a deep profound resentment with uh with like the amount of unhappiness that I felt despite having acquired the girlfriend, the scholarship, the dream house near the beach, a, a career, like it's that standard cliche story of like, I had it all. I had the white picket fence and everything, but deep down there was something missing. Uh, <laughs> so I think like looking back, it was resentment, but at the time it, it manifested as like uh, frustration in terms of my, you know, not using my voice, not like not having the skills or the understanding to fix my problems. Cause that's like, we, we men love to fix shit. Like I didn't know how to fix it. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to make it better. And that frustration and like probably profound sadness contributed to me trying to escape through alcohol or adventure or those kinds of things, distraction. Well, so is it deep underlying all of that, you know, resentment, is that bottled up anger towards someone or was that resentment towards something that happened in your past? I mean, I think we all have trauma from childhood. I don't think anybody escapes childhood unscathed um but yeah like anger my mom was um battling alcohol addiction at that time um so her her marriage wasn't outstanding um i had a bunch of younger siblings who were dealing with their own stuff Uh, i lived far away from my family i was living in a different country for much of that so i felt very ostracized and excluded i felt not necessarily part of the family mm-hmm. um, and then had to balance that with recognizing that it was 
only that way because I decided to move to a different country and live this life that I chose to live. And so that was hard, um, balancing those pros and cons. Mm. Yeah. Have you found forgiveness for that? And and yeah, I think to accept all that. Yeah. I've like working through that has been a, has been the work really of, um, of like, well, that's all done. So, uh, you know, all this anger that you feel for that thing that you can't change, that's kind of impractical. So why don't we actually try to look at what's really going on and understand why that happens? What were the things that you were avoiding feeling, um, reach out to people and try to make amends for the things that you did or didn't do. And like, that's tough, you know, it's tough to, it's, it's in my experience, it's it's tough to feel a lot of things (laughs) that you're not used to feeling, particularly if there's a story around feeling those things. So if there's a story that sadness is bad or that real men don't feel, you know, grief, then your life's going to be really difficult. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel that man. Whose love did you crave most growing up? And who did you have to be to get it? Well, that's a good question. I might use that question. Um, Yeah, another way that I've heard that question asked is, what did you most want as a child but not receive? Mm. Uh, So, yeah, we all want our caregivers' affections, Mm. right? So our parents' love. My parents split up when I was six. It was a it was an ugly divorce from my limited memory. Um, there was tears and screaming and throwing things and a lot of uncertainty. There was a lot of uh, like confusion, just like like why like why is mom and dad going to court? Like what are they going to talk about at court? Like why do they need? lawyers or uh and so these are just little snippets that i remember that probably were a very limited part of that story um but really yeah like i wanted my dad's love i wanted my mom's love i wanted my sister's love my grandparents love so what i had to do to get my mom's love was to um kind of become uh not the caregiver but like become the man of the house. So like, I remember like being six years old and feeling like I had to be in charge of my, my four-year-old sister. And I remember like consoling my mom when she was crying because she was really upset about her breakup and the divorce and the fears that she had that we would be taken away or, or whatever it was. So, um, so codependency was uh, an old friend of mine. We go, we go right back to the start um, where, whereby I essentially what that means is I had to put other people's feelings above my own. So like, I couldn't just, I didn't feel like I could be a normal six year old. I felt like I, like that was my responsibility to take care of my mom. Mm. Um, and then for my dad, it was, it was kind of the opposite. I had to, um, my t- are you still there, Luca? Yeah, I'm still here. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I'm my intent- headphones. I'm intently listening. My headphones dropped out. Um, okay. So, so for my dad, it was like a, 
but that was very uh, kind of closed off, like was not super emotional, didn't really talk about heavy things. So I learned to kind of keep things inside, uh, just put up the good front, like everything's fine. And so what this means for me, like as a, as a grown up, is that I, I never was really taught or shown how to feel my own feelings as a priority. Mm-hmm. And so it's really hard to have a relationship with a woman if you don't know how to feel, yeah. communicate, describe, or relate to your own feelings and emotions. Mm-hmm. It's especially difficult to attempt to understand hers <laughs> mm. when you have no idea of your own. So like if hypothetically you grew up in a family in which nobody talked about any emotions and that if you had an outburst of emotions, it meant that you were bad or, mm. or weak, right? Then if your girlfriend is feeling premenstrual or emotional and she starts crying subconsciously you're going to judge her as bad or weak and that relationship is is going to be very challenging for both of you Mm. uh, because she's not going to feel safe opening up and you're not going to feel safe being around realness so so that's just one example right so Mm. part of my work through the through the years has been to like go from the brain into the heart and be like, um, feel stuff, be okay. Feeling stuff, being okay. Crying in front of my girlfriend, being okay. Feeling sad, et cetera. Mm, That's powerful brother. What what about the lowest point in your life? Tell me about that. Tell me one of the low points in your life and Mm. was suicide ever an option for you? Suicide was never an option. I never considered suicide because uh, I mean, like briefly, like you, like I would be like, Oh, I could just kill myself. And it was like, it was not a serious dialogue Mm. internally. It was just like, Oh yeah, I can always kill myself. And it was just immediately like, no, that's, that's extreme. Mm. That's very extreme. And a lot of people who are very much more, sad and hurt than you are still surviving like Mm. there's a there's a way to figure it out there's a way to deal with it Mm. and like i really like life i really at a deep level i love living i love being alive Mm. Uh, part of that enthusiasm came across when i described the universe right it's like i'm fascinated by the world and Mm -hmm. um and i think also that contributes to my fear of death as well but uh get me back on track what was your question the lowest point in your life the lowest point in my life suicide yeah. was not an option which is, is that was the second part yeah yeah but you, it was good you've got that because we, we, it's, it's an interesting statistic that we're seeing is like there's three distinct types with that question of, of suicide you know one's like not nah, like you no nah, it just wasn't a thing like second one was yep thought of it thought of it for a bit I just didn't have what it took to get there. And the third one was, yeah, I'm sitting here right now facing my imminent death and they, something shifted in their life. So there's those three distinct yeah. characteristics. My perspective of you is like the first one. And, and it's interesting because yeah. some people have like, 
what I'm observing is there's something about someone. There's just something about someone that's you can just see it in them. They're like, it's not, it's not for me. Like you say, it's a bit too extreme for me. And maybe it's because you haven't had a significant situation, or maybe it's because you've got a certain level of a, a resilience in your body as a characteristic. Yeah. I don't know. It's I, don't, I can't really go deeper on that. But anyway, that's that part. It's the yeah. main area is the lowest point in your life and how you dealt with yeah. that. Yeah, just to bring it back to that for a moment. But part part of me, I think, also has at that time had a story around suicide. It's like like that it was quitting yeah. or that it was give, that it was giving up. And, uh, and I just internally, that was unacceptable to me yeah. uh, as like the other thing, sorry, I'm going to tangent. And keep then I going, promise going, I'll come brother, back to the going. low points. I saw this documentary years ago about um, they interviewed a bunch of people who had jumped off the, I think it was the golden gate bridge in San Francisco. And it's a really popular bridge, like hundreds or thousands of people have jumped off that bridge and died over the years, right? And so they interviewed a bunch of the survivors and they were talking about suicide. And every single survivor said that on the way down to the water, after they had jumped, they regretted it. Oof. That they wished that they had not jumped. Oof. And like it gives me goosebumps now mm. and that has stuck with me to this day of like the tragedy of the people that did die who on the way down probably were like i shouldn't have jumped mm. right so that to me was like okay we go right to the source like you tried to kill yourself it didn't work out and like all of you yeah. regretted it like yeah. okay don't do that it's just no longer an option that's incredible that you came across that article it was a video it's a video it's a documentary documentary yeah do you know what it's called i i don't remember no watch that um yeah and like i hope that it's actually accurate to what i just said too but that's my that was my memory yeah um okay so lowest points i mean i don't feel like i've had just one deep soul misadventure where it was like oh that was the that was the low point and then i came out of it and my life's been like wonderful since i mean i had a i had a bunch like my mom's alcoholism was one um because because it went so deep and it was so dire like i went and visited her in the hospital and the doctors were saying if you don't stop drinking, you're going to die. Like she was vomiting blood. She was, she was oh. very ill. Like her liver was, was failing. And yeah. so that wasn't great. Um, another, I've had a couple dark times with ex-girlfriends. Um, like the, the last one in particular of um, like being cheated on, mm. taking her back, being cheated on again. Mm. Um, like, a bunch of other aspects of that of like one of the guys was a friend of mine that I, I considered a friend. Um, mm-hmm. So like that kind of stuff. But then also I think it was perhaps more painful because deep down, like deep down I knew that it, she wasn't my person yeah. and deep down I knew that that relationship was not healthy. Deep down I knew that I wasn't thriving deep down. I knew that, like it could have, it could be better. I could be braver. 
I deserve somebody that treats me better. Um, and so I think there was, again, a lot of resentment for myself and my own choices and my own decisions. Yeah. Not listening to that soul, that soul call. Yeah. But like at the same time, I didn't know any better. Like I'd never lived that life before. Yeah. Like I'd never stood up for myself that powerfully. I'd never had the relationship that I craved that I knew was possible. So yeah. I was just doing the best that I could. Right. Yeah. But yeah. each of those experiences are the deepest most powerful lessons like i really appreciate life and health after seeing my mom's struggle and i really deeply value trust and integrity and honesty Mm. having been cheated on and lied to you're taking the Uh, taking the lessons out of all of it yeah you have to you have to also just you just stay there the other the other option what about the significant moment of awakening, brother? What happened for you? What was that thing where it was just like, like I've got to shift something? Uh, I see, like, I don't think I had a moment. Um, was it like coming like, to Jesus moment for you? There was no, like, I read the fortune cookie and my life changed kind of <laughs> scenario. But, like, one, one, like, powerful realization was um, was when I took – personal responsibility for my life Mm. or i at least started considering my own my own contribution to the nonsense and the pain and the heartache that i was immersed in Mm. so for example um that woman cheated on me and lied to me like great like and what did i do or what did i not do that got me to a stage in a relationship in which that was happening. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh shit, I had to take a big hard look in the mirror. Like, you know, I've not been a good boyfriend. Mm. Uh, I've, I've not been emotionally available. I've not followed through on my word. Like I've, I've said things and then not done them. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I never cheated. I never lied. But like there was a lot of a lot of being out of integrity yeah. or not stepping into my own power that contributed to the relationship declining to the point where all of that stuff happened. And so I guess yeah. the main thing I'm trying to communicate is that the shift occurred when I stopped living in a victim mindset and started living in an empowered, responsible mindset. Yeah, that's a huge shift, bro. That's a huge shift. That radical responsibility um is one of the two significant qualities of this series so far in 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 conscious men and that is the first one is emotionally open and available and the Mm -hmm. second one is radical responsibility go okay what can i do about this because that's it yeah so and i was talking about this this morning is like how much of us stay connected to the past because we haven't either forgiven or we haven't um, fully processed the lessons in that and so now Mm -hmm. that consumes us yeah doesn't it and that's really powerful, brother. I really love that because you, you, it's just it's it's validating this these two consistencies, and I mm. love it. What about the healing? What healing modality was the most supportive for you on your journey? Um, so, like, I've never done ayahuasca or plant <laughs> medicines, just to get that out of the way. Yeah. Um, I did a, like I worked with coaches. I have a lot of friends who are coaches as well and therapists and things. The way that I kind of 
approached it was perhaps from a a mental perspective, which I don't know if that's the healthiest manner, but for me it worked of like, I looked at it all like a puzzle mm. of like, okay, like everything I just described in this conversation is happening. Like what's going on? Like mm-hmm. what, you know, I, I, I'm like very academic, scientific, analytical. And I was like, I want to, I need to do some data collection. I like, I need to read a bunch of books. I need to talk to people. I need to watch some shit. Like I need to understand what's going on. And that took me so far, but you eventually get to this place where you can't think yourself into feeling better. Mm-hmm. And the way that you feel better is to actually feel. Mm-hmm. And so over the last several years, that's been my journey is just getting into my body, like getting into my heart, feeling some shit that I don't want to feel, finding the, um, the spaces in my past where I've locked them away in my soul and like taking those boxes out and being like, okay, let's look in here for a minute or an hour. <clears throat> so, um, so yeah, no specific modality mm. that I credit. Like I haven't gone to a therapist for every Tuesday for three years. I haven't like, um, I haven't done like very much somatic body work. Would you say like journaling or, like, journaling or, or writing yeah. would have been big for you? It's yeah. It's writing for me, mm. hands down. Yeah. yeah. Right. Turn, turning pain into, into passion. Beautiful, man. Beautiful. Yeah. And what about your friend group? How has that changed as you've changed? Mm. Yeah. So like I have a, I have a couple near and dear friends that I've been friends with like since early college days, but the, the values and the mm, like hobbies interests are, are different. It's mm. it, th- those relationships have grown and shifted as I've grown and shifted. And those people are on a similar trajectory as me, mm-hmm. meaning it's no longer about going out, getting wasted, being superficial, but they've also done the work have become deeper, more conscious men that I can relate mm. to. Um, and the friends that I have now, uh, like some of these guys are like, I would pay money to be their friends. Like, like it's ridiculous. I, um, like I'm in this men's kind of little mastermind and I like look around at the zoom call and I'm just like, I feel like an imposter. It's like, what Mm. am I doing in this group? There's like leaders of men and Mm. people with huge followings online that are doing incredible, impactful work. And like, you know, best selling authors and, and like, it's just, it's, it's absurd and it's so inspiring. Um, so I, I think I feel super blessed to have a bunch of really good men in my circle now. Um, mm. And that's been a multiple year evolution. Like I, to, to cultivate authentic friendships with good men um, mm-hmm. that weren't just like sports, drinking, mm-hmm. uh, misogyny, you know, mm-hmm. superficial um, mm-hmm. has been a big shift. Mm, it's incredible man to hear that it's just as you change it, it naturally does change you know your values yeah. you, you sort of assimilate with that like-minded values what a what what part of your conscious journey are you most grateful for jeremy hmm. like just all of it like that i have the opportunity to embark on a journey mm. that i am alive that i didn't go down that deep, dark path of suicide and depression and, and all of that, you know, um, it's a privilege to be able to have choices. Mm. And I think that like, 
as a straight white American dude, uh, I've had a tremendous amount of privilege in my life. And I consider that to be a really fortunate ticket that I pulled in the birth lottery. Mm. And I also think that that privilege requires responsibility. And so I take it seriously now. And I'm trying to, you know, speak to and about issues that matter and trying to use my privilege um, in a way that helps shift the world um, to everything that we're talking about here. Mm, that's beautiful, man. Not feeling guilty for what you've been given, but doing something with it. Yeah. That's yeah, incredible. precisely. It's like, it's a gift. And like, yeah, so many, so many adventures and memories and lessons. Like, mm. I mean, that's life, right? Like, it's just life. I feel, I feel like I've lived and that feels fun. Lived through the shit and enjoyed the, the beauty as well. All of it. Yeah, man. No, no rain, no rainbows, like Dolly Parton said. <laughs> I love that. So last question for you, brother. What's one tip you would give your old self who's just starting this journey? Um, I would say be patient and be persistent mm. and like, and open, just like mm. open, open to all of it. Um, and like, it's worth it. It's so worth it. Like keep doing the work mm. and like to those listening, if you are listening to this, like start the fucking journey and yeah. keep going because yeah. like it gets better and better and better. I promise you, Amen. like the world will work out in a positive way if you keep leaning into it. Patience and persistence, man. I love that, brother. Two very valuable qualities. Man, that is it for us today. It's been a beautiful episode, one of my most enjoyable because of the tangents, because of the um, the the entertainment I got on the way through that. I appreciate your time, brother, most of all, because you've, you've dedicated nearly two hours of your own personal time to share your story, to help others on their journey. So thank you for that. Dude, it's an honor. And thank you for the work that you're doing, man. It's a pleasure to meet you, Luca. And uh, I'm glad we're, we're best friends now. That's fun. Yeah, man. That's going to be good. Let's, let's take this friendship <laughs> to the next level. <laughs> uh, thank you brother and thank you to everyone for listening to our to us in this conversation if you have any questions or you know something got to your to your heart you felt something in your heart through this episode please reach out to jeremy and myself on instagram you'll see them in the show notes and uh, let us know we i definitely appreciate it. i know that for sure and until next time just do your best take one step and then the other much love And just be I got love in my eyes Bro, I can't see I'm gonna be Who I'm destined to be Wokeness is taking My old self away Yeah I put love into me I'm spreading that love Yo, don't you see Grab your cacao And drink it with me Cause wokeness Is taking my old self away Woke man Wokey woke man Woke man Wokey woke man Woke man Wokey woke man Bring love and just be Woke man, wokey woke man, woke man, wokey woke man, woke man, wokey woke man, bring love and just be.